We launched a blog mentorship program. If you want to break into publications as a podcaster, you want to start to write for blog publications, like podcast publications, then you need to kind of know how to talk to them. You need to know how to work with the editor. So we're doing exactly the same thing. I think the moral of the story of that is ask for help, number one. And then as you grow, if you feel like you're in a position where you can mentor other people, create a mentorship program. Welcome to the Podcast Sessions with Retendo Nyamuda, where we chat to podcast hosts, podcast producers, and those within the podcast industry. On today's show, we sit down with author, writer, host of The Thought Card, and founder and CEO of WOC Podcasters, Danielle Desir. Danielle, I've been following your journey for a while now. I love the engagement and the content that you create from WOC podcasters to your actual podcast to just you consistently sharing and having a conversation with people. Um, I feel like it's a conversation with me on social media, but I want to find out the details of your entire journey. Tell me, how did you get into podcasting? What has your journey been? And particularly around WOC podcasters and building the community. So I'm an avid podcast listener. I have about like 70 podcasts on rotation that I listen to at any given time. At some point, there was a particular show, wow, and she's still recording till this day. I fell in love with her and like her, her message and her approach to money and I said to myself, you know what, like, can I do something similar? Because I already had a, a blog at the time and I was talking about traveling money on my platform. So I was wondering like if I could do something similar. I was excited about starting a podcast, but I was also really apprehensive about doing it on my own. So I asked a friend if he would be interested in co-hosting a podcast with me. He was excited, but not as excited as I was. So we never really got the ball rolling besides like a brainstorming session. So we never recorded anything. Years went by. So now it's 2018 and I was just scrolling on the internet and I found this unique opportunity. It's called Spotify Sound of Bootcamp and it happens annually now. And they were looking for aspiring women of color podcasters. This opportunity is so cool. Number one, how many opportunities specifically look for women of color? And you didn't need to have a podcast up and running. You just need to have an idea. So I was so excited. And I honestly thought that this opportunity was sent to me by God. So I'm going to go and try to submit for this. And at the bottom of the application, there was a question that said, what would you like to see different in the podcasting community? So I just quickly looked at the Apple podcast top 100 to see if I could see any other people who looked like me, people of color, women of color, black women, black people. And I could count on one hand how many I saw on the top 100. And that was really saddening for me because I said to myself, I don't think people of color or black women or black people really are into podcasts that much. My audience is primarily women of color. So I put on the application that I wanted to see a community formed for women of color podcasters. I said, see a community form. I didn't say form the community, <laughs> but clearly it was something in my heart and my spirit. Like it was just kind of like brewing in the background that I saw that there was a need for this. So I submitted the application and I waited. In the meantime, I had put a poll on Instagram asking my followers, like, would they be interested in listening to a podcast if I started a podcast? And like 75% said no. So 
I say this because a lot of times, a lot of gurus tell you like, you should pull your audience and make sure that they want what you're creating. And sometimes they don't know what they want. So they were supposed, Spotify was supposed to reach out to us uh, by May 1st with a notification of telling us who won crickets. But I did see that there was a hashtag being used, uh, hashtag SoundUp Bootcamp. And I saw hundreds of women talking about this opportunity and I was shocked. So I started to buy, created a Twitter list. After a couple hundred people joined that Twitter list, I said, you know what, let me just create a Facebook group because I feel like a Facebook group would be a better way for us to engage and stay connected. As I created the Facebook group, before I let anyone in, I was starting to have like a anxiety attack, a panic attack. And I called my mom and I was like, mom, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm standing at the edge of a cliff. I've never run a Facebook group before. And I don't even know anything about podcasting. I had no idea what I was doing. My mom, you know, calmed me down. She said, no pressure, just have fun. I took a deep breath. I opened the Facebook group and I told everyone on Twitter to join Facebook. And that's how we started on May 1st, 2018. It was really just an idea on paper. Uh, Weeks later, Spotify comes out and says that there were 18,000 applications for this opportunity. And this was only for the U.S. So uh, today we are approaching 4,000 community members, which is so exciting from over 70 countries worldwide. But again, we've done so much and I'm really excited for what's to come in the future. There is so much that you've just mentioned now that is incredibly, incredibly inspiring. And I definitely know that it will resonate with a number of people's journeys. It certainly resonates with my own journey. The two key points that you've mentioned that I've taken out is one, you know, overcoming that fear and the anxiety just before you start something, just before you launch something. There's that push and pull um, and that inner, inner turmoil or discussion that you have with yourself to say, like, am I good enough to do this? Should I do it? But the fact that you just jumped into it and said, you know, let's, let's start this, let's build it and see where it goes. And then two is asking people what questions they want um, answered, what they're struggling with through the polls that you mentioned now as well. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that information. I want to zoom into your podcast, The Thought Card. It is an absolutely incredible, phenomenal podcast. And will you share some more information and insights on your podcast with us? Yeah. And it's funny because all what we talked about leads to how I started my own show. So I started the community in May and by July I formed a meetup. So we had a meetup in New York City. My community members were like, hey, like, we love that you're doing this, but where's your show? And I said to myself, where is my show? All the excuses I had of like not having a co-host was starting to fade away, which is, I think is why being in a community really helps to break down barriers. And when you, are see, when you see people doing great things, it may inspire you to like get started. I went home and I said, you know what? I'm going to launch my podcast. I gave myself a two month span period to get myself together. So figure out how to do the tech, figure out what my episodes are going to be, everything. And I said to myself, you know what? The easiest thing for me to do, do a supplement to my blog. So if you are a content creator and you have, let's say, a YouTube channel, an easy way to break into podcasting is to just bring your YouTube channel to the podcast, you know? And for me, I wanted, I didn't want it to be an exact replica. I wanted it to be a supplement to the blog. Also, I wanted to be able to interview folks too, because 
I love listening to people who have really interesting and creative money stories and travel stories. And I wanted to highlight those strategies on the show. So I made sure that the Thought Card podcast is a supplement to my blog. And I love it. Like it's it's really grown on its own legs. It's like its own little community within my, my brand. Um, so my show focuses on affordable travel. And I really focus on helping and informing financially savvy travelers to make better financial decisions. Uh, so bringing those two things together, uh, most of our episodes talk either about affording travel, paying down debt or building wealth. And uh, we're, you know, over two years in. And like I said, the community has grown. It's grown legs. Like it's just, just again, from worldwide audience. So it's just been amazing how much I've grown. So, Daniela, one of the things I really appreciate about WOC Podcasters is it is targeting a very specific target market. Talk to me a little bit about your approach and the importance of targeting a specific community and not just saying, I want to target or I want to reach all podcasters across the entire world, but kind of narrowing your focus down. It is so important to know who you're speaking to and who you want to include in your community and who you're going after and who you're looking to serve. When I originally started the community, there was a really big discussion about like, well, if you're not a woman of color, like, can you still enter the community? So I think as you build your community, you have to really be mindful about how inclusive you are, like, and who exactly are you looking for? I came to the realization that we wanted to be an inclusive space. You can be a woman of color, you can be an ally, and our logo represents that. If I am going to be the judge and juror to say you're not a woman of color and I have no idea who you are, I'm being just as like discriminatory to women. So I rather be inclusive and say, listen, we are primarily here to serve women of color. If you're not a woman of color and you still want to join the community, you know, join us. But again, I'm exclusively serving women of color. So it's very, very clear one of the things that I say is like, we're not looking at skin color here. We're looking at, do you identify as a woman? Um, are you going to be able to follow the rules and make sure that this is a safe space and that it's warm? That's about it. Um, so I think knowing who your target audience is, is extremely important. And as your community grows, that word of mouth referral is huge. So I think if you're doing it right, People are going to talk about you. People are going to talk ab about your, your product, your community, your service. So I would say about 60% of our new members are from word of mouth. And 40% may be through the blogs that we create or like interviews that we're featured on or through press and other things like that. So word of mouth is extremely important as you grow your community as well. One of the most incredible things about WOC podcasters are the resources that are available to the community. And I know myself, when I started podcasting, and even now when I joined the community, there are all these questions that I had in terms of, you know, which transcription services do I use? Or how do I use a specific editing software? And you often either have resources that will point to some of these answers, but you also have webinars or video interviews with people who explain certain aspects of podcasting in detail. Talk to me a little bit about the resources that are available and the importance of creating such resources for people to access. Yeah. So I think when you have a Facebook group, uh, as a community leader, you really want the group to 
not be reliant on you, right? You want the community to be thriving on its own. The community Facebook group, at least, is a quick fix solution. So if you are in a jam and you're looking for a question, you could Google and get a generic response, or you can go inside of a Facebook group and see what people say. I would recommend to look in the search box to see, okay, was this talked about previously in the past? Because I'm sure there's a lot of frequently asked questions, right? But you can also post in the group and ask in real time and get real time feedback, which is super helpful. Now, what I realized close to a year in as a Facebook group is that we're serving community members, which is wonderful. The outside world has no idea we exist. And Facebook doesn't have a good mechanism for organization, organizing things. Like they try to do different things with units and things like that. So the important information that you may be looking for from like six months ago, you, it'd be hard to find. It may be really, really hard to find because the functionality is not meant for that. So from the Facebook group, I decided to create a blog. Again, going back to my roots and knowing how beneficial a blog is to be an outward facing space so people can see the ideas and topics and the things that we're doing inside of the community. When you have a, a website, it's open to the entire global world. It's not limited only resources for your Facebook group. What I try to do, and I think it could be overwhelming because you, you're trying to grow a Facebook group and you're trying to do all the things. I try to just add one new advancement every anniversary. So on our one year anniversary, we launched a blog. Again, I didn't want the blog to be Danielle's blog. I mean, my voice is gonna be predominantly there, but it's not only me. I wanted it to be curated from community members, curated from other women of color podcasters or audio creators who can contribute articles and make this a very exciting website, exciting blog. And Today, you know, two and a half years later, the blog is a crucial part of the podcasting industry. So we're frequently quoted by a podcast uh, movement. So they literally look at our website and see what's new and then they share it on their platform. We have really good connections with Podcast Business Journal. So if we have some, a new a press release or something new we want to share, we have those connections with those other really notable publications as well. I think having a website is, is really good. You want to do good work in your Facebook group, but you can also filter out the best topics, the best questions, best ideas, and put them on a blog, uh, which is really, really helpful. I absolutely love what you're saying about the relationship between Facebook and the online community as well, because a lot of it feeds into each other. You have these questions on Facebook um, that in some way also frames the content or the resources that you create to the community because you're having an engaged audience who are saying, I'm having issues with this. And if people are having issues with one thing on a Facebook group, surely the rest of one's community might be struggling with the same thing. So that's really, really eye-opening. I'd be quite fascinated to know what your team looks like because prior to this conversation you were telling me about how you have a full-time job and in my mind this was your full-time job just because of the amount of content that goes on um, or that's available on the community site so you've got job postings you've got incredible resources their blog posts their videos that go up there's you you know as the face of WOC podcasters so tell me, what is the size of your team and how are you able to balance and manage all of this content? 
It, it definitely could feel like a full-time job at times. I'm not going to lie, but I'm so grateful to have such an amazing team of ambitious, creative women of color who are hand in hand with me and who really believe in where we're going. So our first team was just a Facebook moderation team. And I think what's important for folks to remember is that people will come and go. Like the folks that you started out with your community with may not be the folks that you have around you years later. At one point, it was just me and like another person who I had like asked. I said, hey, I think you're really active in the community. Can you help me moderate this group? So I just wanted to let that let people know that, you know, there are growing pains behind the scenes of growing a Facebook group. And when I knew we were starting a blog, I knew I couldn't do everything on my own also. So I reached out to the, inside the Facebook group and I said, hey, I'm looking for a team of editors. I can't pay you right now because we had no income at all. We were just starting out. But if you can donate your time and do like an article a month or just be there to review articles, you don't have to write it, just review them, edit them. You know, I would love your help. And then I thought about creative ways that I could make it beneficial for them, right? So I made sure to highlight them whenever possible inside of the, the community. And I have even a page on our website and about, you know, we have an about me page and we have all the team members there so they can get some publicity in, in too. So I know it may be hard to ask for help, especially when you feel like you don't have the finances or resources to compensate folks. But as you build your community, people will definitely come up and say, hey, I'm looking for help, but you have to ask for it. It's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing. It's like you feel like you want to bootstrap everything. But there's a point where you're like, this is a community. This is not like Danielle's project. Like it's a community effort. So we were rolling with a small team. We had a small team of two uh, for the Facebook group and a small team of four total for the editors to help me to like get the blogs up and things like that. But again, I still carried the brunt of it. Uh, then I was masterminding with a friend who had said over the summer she she started an internship program and she enlisted her community members to join the internship program. She works with like Gen Z younger generation folks, so they were so excited for the summer to have a you know have a job. So I said to myself, what would that look like if I did a mentorship program inside of the Facebook group? you know, based off of the different segments we have, we have the Facebook group and we have the, the blog. If I created mentorship programs around those things, because I know what I'm doing, you know, and there's people who may need a little bit of help and direction. Uh, so I launched the Facebook group mentorship program where it's really to give folks who want to be admins a chance to see the behind the scenes of what it takes to run a Facebook group. We had like over 20 applications and we started going through them and we picked four amazing, talented women and we launched with that. We found a creative way to educate these women and build up their skill sets to help their own communities, right? And also to have folks to help where we're struggling at. Like we needed more people, we need more help. So I thought a mentorship program has been super beneficial. So now we have like a team of like, eight admins right now, which is like ridiculous. It's crazy. But uh, everyone decided to stay on. They After the three-month program, they're like, we want to stay on and continue working with you. Now my job is just to find creative things to do. So if there's, let's say, anything new I'm doing, like I'm pitching a sponsor, I bring them in to teach them new things. And, this, and the same thing we've been doing in the blog. We launched a blog mentorship program. If you want to break into publications as a podcaster, you want to start to write for blog publications, like po podcast publications, 
then you need to kind of know how to talk to them. You need to know how to work with the editor. So we're doing exactly the same thing. I think the moral of the story of that is ask for help, number one. And then as you grow, if you feel like you're in a position where you can mentor other people, create a mentorship program or ask for volunteers because there are people in your community who will be more likely to help as long as you had an op- you know, you, you publish the opportunity and tell that it's open and available. When is the best time to ask community members to pay for content? Donations is one thing and getting money from other places, funding is another thing. But ultimately, at what point do you say to your community members, we've been creating content for free, we're giving stuff for free, we now want you to pay for content. And then on the other hand, what is the balance between asking people to pay for content and making sure that you are giving them their money's worth or making sure that the content that they're paying for is consistently available? Yeah, it was a it was a real struggle to figure out what's the model that's going to work for us. Like we tried so many different types of models. And at one point I was like, you know what, forget it. Like and the reason why um, creating income is really important is because communities have expenses like to host the Zoom, to um, host a blog, uh, all the things that all the resources that are available are going to cost you something, either time or cost you money. And I just couldn't keep on, you know, financially, you know, out of my pocket all the time to pay for the things that we all benefit from. So one of the first things that I did when I was trying to monetize was I started a Patreon account. A lot of our patrons actually are not even community members. They're allies. It took me a long time to get used to that that model. It's not a service. You're not like saying, okay, thank you for your money and here's something in return. So it took me a long time to get to the point where it's like your Patreon supporters are there to, they support you and they want to see you grow and their donations are helping to fuel the fire. Uh, but I'm really thankful for that. That dipped my first pinky toe in monetization. Um, I also tried a lot of like different types of activities. So we had like book clubs at a point. We had newbie masterminds where like new new podcasters would come together and mastermind together. They were free. And then I was like, okay, let's see if I charge to see. It's all experimentation to see what's going to work. That didn't work. So I, again, was thinking about, okay, if we have a Facebook group, then what are the gaps? Um, and I think that's the beauty about creating products is looking at the gaps currently in the market or in your community and how you can serve them, and then create like a product around the gaps that are need to be filled. So when I looked at the Facebook community, I said, okay, number one, I personally need a mentor at this point. I've been podcasting for close to three years now, and I'm at the point where There's nothing new that I'm learning if I'm not learning it from a mentor or someone, an expert. So I wanted to have access to experts and I felt like other community members also needed access to experts. I also feel like in communities of color, resources like those experts, those like speakers are really hard to connect to. If I was going to, you know, create a membership, I wanted to be the scout that goes out and finds the experts and brings them to the community. Like it's hard to take a keynote speaker and bring them to you on Zoom, right? It's very hard to create that relationship and connection. And if you don't have the capital, forget about it, right? Accessing mentors was a really big thing for me. And I wanted to include that in a membership. Secondly, I wanted to have a resource library. 
all the things that we're learning in the Facebook group, even just the simple things like where to find music or, you know, what, what, what hosting that are options, all those things, it's all scattered. So I wanted to compile it in a place where it could be easily accessible to members. And we had done videos in the past where we had interviewed different experts in Facebook. You're never going to see them again. After the live, it's going to be forgotten. So I wanted to have a place where we could access the resources when we need it in a very concise, organized way. Last but not least, it's easy to go into a Facebook group and feel like you have a community, but they still don't really know who you are. They don't know your struggles, your pain points. Like they can't see your progress. They can't say, oh my God, Danielle, like I remember you two months ago, you were struggling with that Instagram post and you got it now, right? So that accountability was lacking. And I also wanted to meet with people on a monthly basis, like to catch up and, and get to know them. So those were the three areas that I said was lacking in the Facebook group. So I created a membership around it. I created a paywall around it. And that's how, how the membership started. I actually, it took me a couple of months before the launch to actually go through hundreds and hundreds of threads in the Facebook group just to get all the resources organized. And then once I had like the base organized, I started to interview folks. So there's like lots of interviews in there. And then after the interviews, once we were live, I started to approach speakers because now I have people who, who are paying, who, who are really ambitious and want to grow. So I really see my role as a scout. So I go, you tell me like my community tells me what they're looking for, what they need to learn. I go out there. I find a guest speaker who comes in and we record it. It's available. The replays are available inside the membership for later on. So you can join us live, of course, but you can also watch the replays. And I love this model because it is sustainable. Like on a month to month, there's recurring revenue coming in and I could add more things. Like recently we added like a Zumba. I'm like, oh, let's just get a Zumba instructor. I could do fun things like that. So it doesn't always have to be podcasting related, but it could also be activities that bring the members together. But again, if you don't have the capital, it's going to be really hard to get your, get your, you know, the wind beneath your wings to get going. I definitely hope more people start building communities and building platforms where they can engage with like-minded individuals as well. And I think what's important to also note is it's never going to be perfect and there's never a right time. And, you know, you, you're doing it while you're so busy. If I look at you, there are so many facets to you. You are an author, you are a wife, you have a full-time job and you're doing all of this. And I don't think we have enough conversations around what is the balance. I mean, I myself, before this conversation, thought this was your full-time job, thought this was you 24-7, not understanding that there are so many different things happening and so many things going on at the same time. And that's why this podcast is available to say to people, look, it's not, it's not always what it looks like. There is a lot more to building community. There's a lot more to building success than what you see. At least for me, my experience is that you build up to it, right? I didn't just start the Facebook group and I was like two months later, okay, membership and we're doing all these things, right? A lot of what is inside the membership were things that we had done in, a, in the past, for free without even expecting anything from it. So the masterminds that we have, like the accountability calls were things that we, we had done in a Facebook group years ago, but we just couldn't sustain that. 
So I would say start off by experimenting. And my road was messy, right? I did a lot of things for free. I started to charge it and then I almost gave up and then I did a membership and then now I'm happy. <laughs> it wasn't a uh, straight road, but you have to rip the bandaid off at some point. You have to say, okay, listen, like, I feel like it's tears. If you want to stay in the Facebook group, there is no one pressuring you. It's simply just telling people like, this is what we're doing. If you're not marketing what you're doing, it's a disservice that you could be potentially helping people, but you're not marketing. So they don't know. Right? So I see the Facebook group as a container. It's always going to be there. We're always going to have the free model. And it's again, a place for us to be in community together. However, if you're looking to take the next step, if you want to strategize, if you want to have access again to those content creators or those speakers or those experts that I don't see anyone in the podcast industry bringing, bringing in the topics that I bring in, like nobody is talking about affiliate marketing. Nobody's talking about like photography. Any of the things that we talk about is not, it's, it's just not, it's unheard of, but you have to take the leap. You have to believe in the content that you're bringing. And you also have to take the pulse of your new paid members, right? So I don't just create stuff in a vacuum. On a consistent basis, I ask the members like, hey, what are you struggling with right now? And then I go off and try to find the person. Either I can do it if I know the topic really well or I can f or find the person. You want to practice for free because you can mess up and no one cares, right? But when people are paying you, messing up is just not pretty right and also like for me one of the growing pains that i realized is that like i had priced the membership like super low but i wanted it to be too cheap in the beginning because i didn't know what i was doing right i'm not gonna come out the gate and just like make it this astronomical price so at least for membership model if everyone brings small amounts of money at the end of the month you'll have a big pile of money it's actually better if they if they spend less money at least in the beginning, they spend less money, see if it's worth it, they like it. Um, if, they're, if they're staying, you wanna see the retention rate also. If people are dropping off after month one, okay, what's going on here? If they're dropping off after month six, okay, we could see things change, maybe they're no longer podcasting, they don't have time. Like, I think the membership model works because it's consistent. It's like they know that you're, there's gonna be someone here, there's activities, you see other creators that are winning and you, you want to learn and you want to be in that, in that, in that uh, winning circle. But it, it was messy. It was messy and we're still learning. We're still learning, but we, we're celebrating our six month mark and it's only going to get better. And I'm excited. So one of my favorite questions to ask is around equipment and the process, the production process of podcasting. Uh, what equipment do you use? What pre-production, post-production uh, equipment or resources do you make use of? Yeah, I keep it super simple. And I think for me, I'm really reluctant to change. Originally had a Blue Yeti microphone, which I highly discourage. I've since upgraded to an ATR 2100X, uh, which I really do like. I, I really like the sound. I no longer have to be in my closet to record, which is great. I also use Audacity, which is a free software where you can edit. You could also record solo episodes in as well. I have been moving more into panels, having more than one person interviewing, interviewing one more than one person. So I've been using Zoom. I'm not in love with the Zoom quality, but if you can download the audio files to your PC, you can have the different separate tracks. So that makes it a little bit more clear. 
and it is what it is. I actually um, recently I got a grant to create a 12 part audio docu series, which I've never done before. And we've been buying a lot more tech. I also have like a hard drive um, that I use for my files. What else? I use a phonic for leveling the sounds. I use Lipsyn for hosting. And I think that's about it. Every single time I ask this question, I get so many different answers in terms of the equipment people use. And it's so fascinating because it's one question I always get on emails or in my DMs. People are like, what equipment should I buy? What equipment should I use? But ultimately creating a podcast is far greater than just equipment. And this goes to show that. It's more about how you holistically approach content and conversation and creating uh, than it is about, you know, specific equipment. So I'm very, very happy to hear that. Danielle, tell me about your greater vision for WOC Podcasters. What is your vision for the platform and for the community? When I think of WOC Podcasters, I think of it as a multimedia company now, a space where you can find women of color podcaster talent, connect with them, learn with them. Yeah, that's, I see media company. That's what I see. So I like, you know, like Blavity or like uh, um, Essence, you know, like that kind of, that kind of feel. But I think for me, what's more important is identifying the gaps and filling in those gaps. If you don't have a clear vision of where you want things to go, it's, it's not a bad thing. So for example, what we just implemented last week, people asking for editors, podcast editors. So I created a directory and we have like a week later, we have like six editors and this wasn't part of the plan. We'll see where things go, but I know who I'm serving and we'll leave it open as that. Yes. This is a final question or rather a final moment. And it's just an opportunity for you to speak to the listeners um, please tell them where they can reach you, how they can contact you, where they can read your books and listen to your podcast, and most importantly, get involved and become part of the WOC Podcasters community. Yes, thank you again. I really appreciate this opportunity. It was so refreshing and warm to be able to speak all about my journey. For the WOC Podcaster side, you could head over to wocpodcasters.co is our website. We also have the Facebook group, which is the pillar of our community. That's the most active, where we're most active. If you go into search in the search box and type in WOC podcasters, we will be the first to pop up. Now, if you're at a point in your podcasting journey and you're looking for resources to level up, to strategize, to grow and to connect and learn, then I recommend the membership. Um, so if you head over to membership.wcpodcasters.co, could take a look to see if a membership is the right fit for you. Oh, I want to say also, if you join our email list, we share like job opportunities. Like I think that is more timely information. On social media, we're WC Podcasters on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you want to connect with me personally, I am at The Thought Card on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm also over at thoughtcard.com is my affordable travel and personal finance blog. And my podcast is called The Thought Card Podcast. Again, we talk about travel and money and all things in between. And that brings us to the end of our show. 
Do leave a comment or rate this episode. And we cannot wait to share more incredible podcast sessions discussions with you right here on the podcast sessions. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe to the Podcast Sessions Digital Magazine, a first of its kind on the African continent, and you can do so at www.thepodsessions.com. The Podcast Sessions is a production of Teensway Media.